And I think this is like the biggest thing for all of us to remember is we're just contributing to the conversation and nobody holds your harmonic frequency. So there's a mm -hmm. certain way that it's going to be delivered from person A than person B. When we're in that mindset, being on any stage and we're just contributing to the conversation, when we embody that knowingness, nobody expects us to know everything. They just want to hear our perspective. That's it. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and today we're going to be talking about owning your unique voice and using podcasting to get that out into the world. And I've invited my very good friend, Jennifer Longmore, along, who is the CEO of Podcast Connector, which is a global agency for thought leaders who desire guaranteed bookings on highly engaged podcasts so they can spread their impact-driven message with even more people. She's an absolute kick-ass entrepreneur. She's a 10 times best-selling author, media personality, podcast host, an investor, a board advisor, serial entrepreneur. She has multiple companies and we're going to have a fabulous conversation today. So welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. When you read, I'm just so excited to do this with you. And as I'm hearing it back, I'm like, oh my God, people will already be able to predict my design based on what you just read out about me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there is, mind you, they might think manifesting generator, but definitely mm -hmm. um, a generator and a fellow 6-2 generator. We had lots of conversations about this last time we spoke and we're going to be diving into human design a little bit more as we move on but today we're going to start off with talking about podcasting and specifically guesting on podcasts because this is such a fabulous tool for us to get our message out there especially as we're coming into the new paradigm as people that have got these really impact driven messages i think it's more important now than ever to share this message to take us into the new paradigm but I'd love you to share, because Podcast Connector is a fairly new business for you, how mm -hmm. you came about to owning that business mm -hmm. and why. Well, thank you for asking that. You know, I started my very woo business almost two decades ago. Well, full time, almost two decades ago. And I was pitching myself like crazy. I didn't know what I was doing, but who else was going to pitch me? And I didn't even feel comfortable asking people because I was so used to getting eye rolls from people that I just thought, well, if it's going to be, it's going to be down to me. So I was pitching myself for speaking gigs, actually, because I knew I didn't, I couldn't have told you then what I know now, which is that when you're positioned as an expert on someone else's stages and borrowing their authority and building no like and trust at the same time for an hour of your time right that is gold like that's way more in my opinion way more valuable than spending you know even a hundred or a thousand dollars on ads every month right like the return on the immediate return on investment is so palpable mm -hmm. and i didn't know that at the time i just knew that i needed to speak i needed to get in front of new people and 
I, at some points, would have to drink a lot of rescue remedy before I go to those talks, because as we all know, when you are controlling the stage and it's your stage and you're just, you know who's registering, you may not know them personally, but there's something about you handling your own registrations versus other people. And oh my goodness, did I ever get PhD in how to deal with hecklers, how to deal Mm. with people that in a room of 500 people thought that you were having a private conversation and like interjecting every single thing you, you know, like all the things you could imagine people sitting at the back of the room that can't hear and yelling that they can't hear you when there's a perfectly good seat at the front that you're inviting them to sit in, you know, all the things. Right. Yeah. But from there, I learned a lot about pitching and I learned that it is actually not about me at all. And it's about what's the value that I'm going to bring to that person's stage where they have spent time, money, and energy building no like and trust with their community. And it's important to them to bring, you know, aligned people on their stage. And then I had the bright idea of having my own radio show. And that was very soon into my business. It was an online radio show on Contact Talk Radio. And I, I'm pretty sure they still exist. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so then I was on the receiving end of pitches and whoo, holy doodle. You learn a lot about that. The ones that are amazing, you're like, oh my goodness, that's an amazing pitch. I'm going to, you know, massage this, of course, in my own language, because they were never doing what I did and I wasn't going to copy them, but you get what I'm saying, distilling the essence of it, but from the pitches that were all about them. And it was usually from pretty Mm -hmm. significant places like Hay House authors and stuff that were all Mm -hmm. about, Hey, we got this new book. We want to come on your show and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how are you adding value to my audience, right? Mm -hmm. Who I cherishing just like you do with yours, right? Like you're not just inviting anyone on. And then I went on to create some others. And then of course, different podcasts. But even during that time, once podcasts became a thing and well, stages, I pitched myself to forever, but radio shows and podcasts, I was pitching myself to like crazy. And so I learned, I learned some nuances, I'll say, to pitch myself to people that were really effective. But then there came a point where I realized the value of my time. And and I'm really committed to being in my zone of genius, not my zone of competence. Most of us Mm. unknowingly are operating in our zone of competence. And that's things like, well, just because I can pitch doesn't mean that I have to. I'm not above it. It's just that that's actually a very easily delegatable thing to people. Mm-hmm. I have to be the face of the company. So it's my job to go on the podcast and be interviewed or on the TV show or whatever I'm doing. Nobody else can do that for me if I'm the face of the company. Nobody else can create the vision for the company and ensure that it's being executed by their team. And nobody else can build relationships like I can mm-hmm. with colleagues, right? To increase the the reach that we're going to have and spreading our mission. But I can delegate things like writing my copy, although... I still do that, but it is kind of my zone of genius. So don't call me one. <laughs> I delegate a good chunk of it, but I do handle my own social media posts typically and, and copy for sales pages and stuff. But I don't need to be booking people on my podcast just because I can. Mm-hmm. My team handles that and, you know, all the things, right? So anyways, when I, I remember hearing years ago, like if you're not going to pay someone 500 bucks an hour to do this, then it needs to be delegated. Right. And podcast, you know, I can say, honestly, having, uh, you know, owned the company, we would never, ever charge that kind of money, right. To be booking people on podcasts, but I had to really get honest with myself. And so years ago, I started hiring podcast pitching companies, podcast Mm -hmm. booking companies, I should say. 
and they guaranteed bookings for me and some didn't right and the companies mm -hmm. that didn't my relationship didn't last very long with them because mm -hmm. pitching me like you can just show me an email that you pitch me but if it's to a show with 10 listeners like that's not really uh, what what an expert thinks they're signing up for right yeah so at the time that they had two owners the company that i enjoyed working with and all of a sudden i got a message from one of them saying hey i know i onboarded you but i've decided to sell my share of the company to so and so and i remember being disappointed not because she was leaving although i was you know sad to see her go it was because i was like i wanted to buy that and that always stuck with me but i forgot about it do you get what i'm yeah. saying uh -huh, uh -huh. so fast forward to last year one of my clients who created the podcast connector by necessity because she's got such a popular podcast and people kept saying hey babe can you do me a favor can you introduce me to these 25 people you know and mm -hmm. then she spent and you know what it's like it's not that I'm you don't want to do it i love connecting people but it's time consuming to send out let's say 10 emails on behalf of a colleague that you adore. Now, if you're getting asked by 20 people to do that, then it becomes a full-time job. And that was yeah. not her zone of genius, nor was she being compensated for it. And she wasn't doing it to be compensated, but she realized there's a demand for this. Why don't I just build a company around this? Mm -hmm. Now we were already coaching together in her other business. So I didn't even know she created this. I didn't even know until about a year after she created it, that she created it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me you created this? I would would have given you my business like this is already a service that i'm looking for i i want to be able to refer business to clients when i can and so i became a client and then soon after she came on a coaching call with me she said i know i don't normally talk to you about this particular business but i just can't like it it's not that she didn't love the concept and the people and all the things it was that it was taking up real estate in her calendar and it wasn't ever part of her purpose, right? It was mm -hmm. becoming misaligned. It was becoming heavy to try and move it forward because it's not, it was not part of her blueprint. So out of my mouth, I, well, I said, you know, there's a lot of ways you can handle that. You can try this strategy and see if it works. I'm going to recommend you start there. That way, if you do decide to walk away, you can feel like you've done everything that in your power to make it work. Like any relationship you can just hire a CEO to run it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know you can keep it and you've built it like why not keep it I said or you can sell it and then out of my mouth I'm not even aware I'm gonna say this you know when you watch yourself saying something and the other part of you is like did that just come out of my mouth I said oh, why, why well if you're gonna sell it I will buy it from you and in my head I contracted a little bit and probably that date uh, gate of doubt popped in I was like uh -huh. did I just say what what and they said, don't worry, we're not going to take up your coaching call talking about me buying your company. We will set up a separate call that is not a coaching call, right? To, to have a bit more business call. But I said, before you even do that, like I said, it's, you've built something so amazing that to just walk away from it is not going to feel good for you. Mm -hmm. And you might as well monetize, you know, the IP that you've created and stuff like that. So after two weeks, she came back to me. She's like, I tried those marketing strategies. They were great, but implementing those marketing strategies, I realized how much I don't love this company mm -hmm. and how I either need to walk away from it or sell it by the end of this month. Cause she's a generator too. So she likes uh -huh. to move at the speed of light. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So within um, about two weeks, the full ownership, but you know, all the lawyer stuff had been taken care of all the, the transition had happened. And all of a sudden I have this new company and she interviewed me as kind of like an exit interview for the podcast connector to post it on the podcast. And I said, you know, I wasn't sure if it made sense for me to do this. She goes, you're like the most obvious choice. 
to own this. You know, you've been on TV a gazillion times. You've been on a gazillion radio shows. You know how to pitch yourself. You know how to pitch other people. And you really care about people spreading their message. And that's really true, right? Like the Mm -hmm. podcast connector to me, aside from like you're saying on a meta level, it really is about helping thought leaders spread their message because holy doodle, do we ever need a lot of help on this planet right now, right? Mm -hmm. With everything going on. The second piece of it is when I, the reason I shared my history is that I wish I had have known of these services sooner. It's almost like a give back at this point. Like I'm trying to give Mm -hmm. back to people the things that I would have wanted someone to take care of me. The other thing that we're going to add in this year, because I also did an astrology reading on the business because I'm that crazy. And I knew this, I knew this when I bought it. I just got the download really quickly that it was going to turn into, it was going to move beyond podcast connecting. So we've added speaking gigs now, which podcast of course is speaking, but I'm talking about virtual and in-person stages. But one of the things that we're building out is really more of like a collaboration zone, right? So we're going to be doing high level connections because I want the company to give to people what they're always looking for and what isn't always easy to find, which Mm -hmm. is getting on stages without having to do all the legwork, right? Getting on on, uh, speaking gigs and having places to basically do strategic collaboration and meeting other other partners that can share Mm -hmm. your work and stuff like that. And that's been something that's been in my consciousness for a long time. So it's kind of cool that during the Great Awakening, this dropped in for me because it wasn't like I started last year saying, oh, I think I'm going to buy myself a company this year because I don't have enough to do. But there was a part of me that was like, no, I forbid you from walking away from this company. That's the long and winding road, but. In all honesty, I mean, we have amazing thought leaders. If anything, their biggest issue is they have too many interviews because we get so many yeses because of the, well, the caliber of people that we attract, but also the way in which we pitch people, right? We have a proprietary mm. method. And and so, you know, everyone gets to win, but I know what it's like. Like I, I love hosting my own show. I know you do too. There is something pretty special about being able to just show up for an hour on someone's show and walk away and not have any admin, not have Mm -hmm. any, you know, and just be able to stay in your zone of genius. That's, that's pretty fun. Totally. So podcast guesting is one of the nine parts of our thought leader scale system that, that we have as part of our blueprint. It's such a fabulous way to share your message and have access to new audiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm going to say in times have passed. So, you know, years ago, not so much now, a lot of people that had, and I'll use your word here, woo ideas, there wasn't as many places to share their message and they struggled to share it in a way that didn't make them feel weird, like Mm -hmm. other people had no idea what they were talking about. Now that is a lot easier because there are a lot more people owning this. You mentioned that you've got a woo company. Mm-hmm. You, have a, you, have a, <laughs> you have a company that helps other, I believe, other coaches. Gosh, I don't even know. It's Akashic Records. But actually, now I'm saying this, I don't even know. I know there's Akashic Records. I know you've got this amazing company. Yeah. <laughs> How did you start to share this message and start to really own what it is that you do and find other places to share that message. Because I think that Mm -hmm. this is something that I really want to dive into. 
It's a great question. You know, I think I shared with you privately that I used to work as a forensic investigator. Mm -hmm. So getting to your question, when I, part of why, when I say I started my business full time, I was doing it privately under the table for a few years because Mm -hmm. here I was going out, doing investigations, getting on the stand, being an expert witness about some really horrific crimes against Mm -hmm. children, cult, ritual cult abuse, really severe sexual abuse, things like that. And so you can imagine me then being at a trade show on the weekend at one of those, you know, tacky psychic fairs that we've all been to Mm -hmm. and having a booth there and then having people, either clients that I've investigated or, you know, other detectives I'm working with or things like that happen to see me standing there going, come and get your aura cleansed or like, come and have a soul reading, right? Like Mm -hmm. it just didn't, it didn't make sense. And then when I left there, and decided to be full in, like full on in my business, I still was contracted. I still wasn't doing the things I knew I needed to do. I was waiting for the client store to show up. And I joke about this, but I, you know, I I joked with my clients that you can't just put up a few business cards in a health food store or a crystal store and have that be enough. But incidentally, that's how all of my first clients came. And those that compounded and turned into a bunch of other clients uh-huh. <laughs> that I still have to this day, some of them, wow. which is pretty remarkable. So the reason why I wasn't going out there was because I had already decided that everyone was going to think I was crazy, that I was it was going to ruin my reputation. What would my previous colleagues think of me? And then I thought, you know what? What do my previous colleagues think of me? They obviously don't care that much because I haven't heard from a single one of them since I left the job. Nor did I expect to, because we weren't mm-hmm. friends. We were mm-hmm. coworker friends. Yeah. We weren't, we never went out socially. It wasn't a habit for them to come by or call me or things like that. So why was I giving them so much power, right? Why was I deciding, like, even if they did think I was crazy, did I actually care? And the answer was no. Not because I didn't care about them, but their opinion couldn't matter more to me than my mission. And a few people did find out and they were like, oh yeah, we've known about this about you the whole time we worked with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't like, I must've been using words like energy and other things and not Uh even realizing it. Right. Yeah. So, but my first year, what I did, and, and I'm going to share this because it doesn't matter what phase you're in in business. I do think this is an effective strategy from an energetic level is to be in the energy of awe and wonder and curiosity. Mm -hmm. As soon as I just started, instead of me deciding that I needed to go to a networking event to get clients, because that didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. That didn't feel good to me. But when I decided to just go and see who I was going to meet and go and meet interesting people, my energy field was so open that in fact, everyone, almost everyone in the room would constantly come and hire me. And that Mm -hmm. wasn't even why I was there because my energy was open. So I started teaching at the Learning Annex and that was about three months into me starting my business. And that was like a five-year plan because I was a big deal to speak for the learning annex back then. I don't know if you had it in Australia or not, but yeah. it was a big deal in North America. And so I thought I even at, at five years thought it was going to be a pipe dream. So after three months, they approached me, they found me somehow. And they said, Hey, will you come and teach on past life regression, angels, numerology, and some other thing? I don't remember mm-hmm. something like something really woo. It was like violet light activations or something like that. And so I tried to negotiate with them. I said, well, why don't I come and, oh, I know what it was. They didn't ask me about numerology. I said, well, why don't I come and teach about numerology? Because that's fun for me to talk about, right? There's, Uh uh like, I don't have the same skin in the game. They're like, well, we already have people doing that. We really want you to talk about past life regression and uh, violet light. And I'm like, okay. 
So I went and back then, you know, they were still printing out catalogs, right? So these catalogs were going all over Toronto and surrounding areas. So about 20 million copies of those catalogs were going out. And my name was in them repeatedly because I was teaching, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 different classes a term. Mm -hmm. And so that filled my practice very quickly. And that's when I realized the power, like really got it. Even in my local city, when I was going and uh, learning from my hecklers, right? They were putting me in a catalog of to maybe like a million households. And so people kept saying to me, well, I feel like I'm seeing your name everywhere. And we know this, right? If, if we see a name seven times, we feel like we're seeing it all the time. So this uh-huh. is why for anyone that's not posting regularly on social media and other things, make sure you're doing that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the brain gets confused. So anyways, I had to decide that first year that I wasn't going to be attached to what people thought of me. And even now people say to me, well, what about the people in Utah? What about this person and that person who doesn't believe in the Akashic records? What do you do with those people? I'm like, why would I do anything with those folks? I don't like Jehovah's witness coming and knocking on my door and trying to push their religion on me or Latter-day Saints. They're they're not bad people. I just mean like, it's not for you. This is not an invitation to come and try and convert me on my own doorstep. Mm -hmm. I would never have the audacity to go to someone else's doorstep and try and convert them. The thing about the Akashic Records is that it's a homecoming and people either know whether they're being called home to them or not. We all have access to it, but some people are called to read them. Some people are Mm -hmm. called to teach them. And and you just know it's so palpable and it's so synchronistic and it can feel emotional for a lot of people when they finally get tapped on the shoulder, if that's meant to be a part of their calling in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. So why would I even try to intervene with with the divine order of things, right? When... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, totally, totally. And I love that. So if I was going to distill what you just said, it's really knowing what you really believe, leaning into that in a way that feels good for you and finding your people. Mm -hmm. Have I distilled that in the right, In I think, in what you were saying there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think to your point at the beginning of the show, and this is true for all of us, I, I didn't focus on the money at all. I was making Mm -hmm. way more money than I knew what to do with because I didn't even know I was making it. I knew how to price things. I knew money was coming in, but I didn't actually sit and count it until I went to the bank and went, Ooh, wow, this Mm -hmm. is way more than I know what to do with. It was never about the money. It was, I felt very lucky to be able to do what I love and people pay me for it. Right. I was, it was Mm -hmm. always, you know, we, we often do this when we start a business. I just need enough to get by. I just need enough Mm -hmm. to get by and maybe take a trip a year. That tends to be our rationale, right. For most of what we do, but it was being able to spread my message. And I just was so, so committed to that. Like it was Mm -hmm. non-negotiable for me that I think that was the thing. I'm pretty certain that was the reason why I became so successful. Mm. Now you've shared your message a lot. You've been on TV, you've been a lot of podcasts, you're in the podcast connector. You talk about, you know, guesting and podcasting a lot. And for a lot of people, they have this doubt that I don't know what I'm talking about. What if I get caught out and don't know the answer? Maybe I'm not as good as what I think I am, like all the things that come up. Mm -hmm. Now, you've got a really interesting human design chart. We were having a chat before we started recording (laughs) in that you've got your your whole brand, your all of your money making, I guess, activities or energy are all 
And there's quite a numerous times in your chart that the gate of doubt shows up. And I would love to know for you, because the gate of doubt doesn't mean that you're always in doubt. When you're not in alignment, you can turn, and when I say you, it's the energy of this gate, can be turned inward so that you doubt yourself. But that's, you know, in the full alignment state, that's, that's not what it's talking about. But for you, what I'd love to know is there times where you've had to come up against that of doubting yourself as you're going through these activities and and I'm going to guess that it has because you've got so much of this this energy in your chart and how you've really overcome that and you know got to, to where you are now to be honest I mean, I had more doubt about starting my business than I did on stages in the beginning, for sure. That first year of being on stages, I was like, people are going to think I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm too young to do this. People are going to challenge me on my age and, and my worthiness to be imparting all this wisdom on them. You know, not that I think I'm the wisest person, but I think you get what I'm saying. Uh-huh. But then, you know. Well, first of all, when you interview a lot of people on your show, you really start to see who the impact of a lack of confidence on an audience and creating mm. listener fatigue. When I really, from hosting my very first show years ago, I realized the importance of making it all about the audience and adding value to the audience. And, and so from a host perspective, right, we want to be protecting our audience from listener fatigue. And as a guest expert, we have a lot of things going on. We're trying to add value to the audience so that they feel like of all the things they could have done with their time, that they're glad that they spent time listening to that show. Then we're trying to convey that we know what we're talking about. And then we are trying to also make the host look good, meaning like we don't want to be such a buffoon on their show that their whole audience goes, what just happened here? How did that host allow that person on? So there's a few things going on in your mind. So it's easy to kind of get caught up. But I think, you know, because I stay in my lane and I only talk about things I have a certain certain level of mastery over, mm-hmm. then I never have to worry because when I go on a show and I'm just talking from the heart and I'm considering how can I add value to the audience? How can I inspire people? How can I add wisdom? How can I shift a perspective? You know, how can I create an aha moment? Then the pressure's off. Mm-hmm. And if I if I don't know an answer to something, I might say, you know, if you ask me something right now, I'd say, well, that's a great question. What's your perspective on that? Just answer a question with a question, right? (laughs) Or I might say something like, wow, that's such a deep question. I think that warrants its own podcast. Why don't we have, why don't I come on again and talk about such and such? And I legitimately mean that, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. more importantly, and I think this is like the biggest thing for all of us to remember is we're just contributing to the conversation. You know, I talk a lot about wealth consciousness, for example, and there's a lot of people that will say, oh, I can't really talk about it because there's already so many people talking about wealth consciousness. Yes, yes. Well, there's a lot. Isn't that great that there's so many people talking about wealth consciousness and nobody holds your harmonic frequency. So there's a mm-hmm. certain way in that it's going to be delivered from person A than person B. But I'm not trying to own the real estate of wealth consciousness. I'm just contributing to the conversation that's already happening. Mm -hmm. When we're in that mindset, being on any stage, podcast, summit, in-person stage, hosting your own events, whatever, and we're just contributing to the conversation, when we embody that knowingness, nobody expects us to know everything. Mm -hmm. They just 
want to hear our perspective. That's it. 100%. And our perspective is unique because of the way that we process things, because of our experiences, all of the, the things that, that we do bring it in our own very unique way. Now, one of the things you mentioned then was you coming from a heart space. It's all about mm -hmm. adding value to the audience. How do you balance being in heart space and being able to articulate your methodologies or your what you're in your teachings in a mm -hmm. way that makes sense because I find that this is such a skill in being able to explain mm. things in that way so how do you balance the two mm. a great great question I would say you know the audience will always be in we're all an audience member right so I'm including mm -hmm. me in that like anytime we're listening to anything we can tell if someone's speaking from their head versus their heart even if they're mm -hmm. talking about extremely heady or intellectual things right there's a passion that's palpable there's a love of the work there's usually client examples that are given where it's clear that that person really loves their clients and loves using their particular thing with their clients and so I think the energy can be communicated very easily without having to give a lot of thought to it. If if we are doing what we love, because that's mm -hmm. prosperity key number one, do what you love and the money will flow, right? So love what Absolutely. you do and do it with love. That's literally mm -hmm. prosperity key number one. Even if you're talking about widgets and whatever, like people will still be like, oh my God, this conversation about widgets is so captivating. I just could listen to this all day. <laughs> because they, can, they like how they feel in the energy of that conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Now you have got a pitching kit. So we've been talking a lot about guesting on other people's shows. And you mentioned that there are bad pitches out there. You and I have had lots of them and there is a way to pitch yourself to other shows in a certain way in your own proprietary framework do you want to give us a little example of what this is or explain a little bit what about what this is because I know that you've got this as a, a free resource yeah if people go to the podcastconnector.com on the homepage, although it's probably on many pages, there's the ultimate podcast pitching kit. And we literally walk you through how to pitch someone like the whole process is starting with like, why am I going to even bother pitching? Like, what's the purpose of all of this really getting intentional? Because the more loosey goosey we are, the harder it is to get a yes, right? Because mm -hmm. and, and on top of that, if we're loosey goosey, then we're not going to take action because we're waiting for it to be fully baked. Mm -hmm. So we we guide people through that sort of meta level process then the macro level the micro level and we even give you some sample pitches and templates so you can see examples of how you might you know pitch yourself and a lot of people will just take that and pitch themselves and then most people will go through that though and be like oh yeah this actually because you know if you think of the research we do for our clients because it's all bespoke mm -hmm. we're not just blasting and send like you know we wouldn't message someone like you samantha and be like here's a hundred guests that we think would be great for your show highlight <laughs> the ones that you like right that's uh -huh, on uh -huh. so many levels that's not okay but we you know when you realize that it takes a few hours to just find a few good shows to pitch to and we already have a database of like five thousand and growing of podcast guests that or podcast hosts I should say mm -hmm. that are happy to hear from us and love booking our guests and love the experience right but I know this even for myself like because you don't just have to research a podcast you have to see what's the topic does it make sense for my niche 
then you have to listen to some stuff, right? And then you have to look at, have they ever had a guest expert on? Mm -hmm. If they haven't, chances are they're probably not going to have you. So that's a little bit of time wasted pitching someone that isn't going to have you on. Or they might have some pitching guidelines, right? And there might be an application on their site to fill out and stuff. So then if you're not listening to what they've asked you to do and you just go ahead and and say, well, I'll, I'll move to the head of the line. I'll park in the wheelchair spot right in front of Starbucks instead of just parking one spot over that isn't and going in and getting my Starbucks, right? That Mm -hmm, kind of stuff. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When that's the vibe that hosts experience, you're probably not even going to get a response. But it takes, you know, quite a few hours to research to know what podcast to pitch yourself on. Because if your goal, if you think about, okay, I was doing this math today because I wrote an article. So if you, we're not pitching anyone to shows that have less than 10,000 listeners, but for mm-hmm. someone at my, you know, my level of experience, my team knows because my company pitches me as well. They know not to pitch me on shows that have less than like 40,000 downloads, but really you know, the shows with a hundred thousand downloads, like you're having to massage the gatekeepers a lot more, mm-hmm. but let's just assume that there's a show with 10,000 listeners mm-hmm. and you go on and you share your freebie and 10% of that audience downloads your freebie, mm-hmm. not even on that date because that lives on forever, which is why podcasting is great because it's so an evergreen good. thing. Right. So let's say, but let's say pretty soon after your interview, you get 10% of the listenership downloading. That's a thousand people. Mm-hmm. Now let's even say that you have 25% of those people unsubscribed. That's still 750 new people mm-hmm. that you've already built no like and trust with because they've listened to you for an hour. They've determined that you have something interesting to say, or that you have enough wisdom to be the person that they want to listen to or whatever they've decided. And let's say you do one podcast interview a week that even with the numbers and even with subscribe unsubscribe, which is a very high unsubscribe rate. So I don't ever imagine that's going to happen unless people again are totally inappropriate in their email sequence, right? When someone joins yeah. their list. Yeah. So that's 750 new leads, highly qualified leads every week mm-hmm. times four. Mm-hmm. So that's 3000 new leads. Now, how much would you have to pay to, you know, get ads bringing you that kind mm-hmm. of qualified person, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're likely retargeting people that you've already paid to have, you know, I don't mean you're paying for people on your list, but you get what I'm saying. You've already invested time, money, and energy to get these same people on your list. And then you're having to spend more money to do a retargeting campaign on a Facebook ad thing, right? So now imagine what happens when you got a launch in the fall and it's now, you know, still winter or still whatever, like, you know, the beginning of the year, I should say, you've now got six plus months to add thousands and thousands and thousands of people that want to hear from you between now and your launch that you claim you want to be a six figure launch or a seven figure launch, right? Like it's, it truly is one of the sh- quickest ways. Think about this too. You don't even have to get on sales calls with people. They've already mm-hmm. heard you. They've already decided that you know what you're talking about and they want to keep learning from you. And they may want to even step into something paid with you. Now think about that same thing with live events, challenges, summits, whatever the case is. Same thing, right? Like how many how many people need to be in your challenge knowing your conversion rates in order for you to have the six-figure launch from your challenge, right? You're probably mm-hmm. needing like a minimum of 300 people in there. Well, that's a given, right? Of all those people, a, a huge percentage of them are going to sign up for your challenge. If you think of book launches, if you think of even product launches, Oracle decks and, you know, journals and whatever it is you might be selling, same thing, right? Like 
is such an efficient way to be communicating your message. Mm, totally. And the, I want to really touch on what you said there as well is that these people are highly qualified because mm-hmm. they've listened to you. There is no other medium where people can listen to you for 20, 30, 50 minutes at a time and hear the tone in your voice, hear the passion in your voice, hear you unpack, you know, frameworks and methodologies and ideas. There's no other medium that gives us the same phase that we have on a podcast anywhere else. So those Mm -hmm. people that are listening are highly qualified and, you know, sometimes they're seeing us as well. I can't tell you the, like, I have a presentation just on making six to seven figures a year from podcast guesting, mm-hmm. right? I can't even tell you the amount of people that have listened to a podcast and immediately gone on my site and message me and say, to say, how can I work with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, so, someone was asking me the other day on a, on a mastermind call, like, what is one of the things that I've noticed? And this isn't necessarily, this is sort of having your own podcast as well. You know, what's one of the things you've noticed? And I said just that, exactly what you just said, that it's almost like you've done that sales process without you having to do that one-on-one. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. they generally are just like, oh, I want to work with you. And, you know, we can sometimes be thinking, oh, wow, that happened quickly, forgetting that they've already heard that process, you know, yeah. in a one-to-many method where we've already created that no like and trust. So I'm and you get this because this is your specialty, right? Like I have always said this for the last two, well, I wouldn't say the last two decades because it was probably around year five that I started doing business coaching by accident because people started asking me for that. And people would ask me like, how did you get here? And I had to really unpack it, right? Like, how did I get here? Because it wasn't luck, but it wasn't all strategy either. How did I get here? And I realized that like, I don't care what the business is, the quicker you can have yourself positioned as an authority mm-hmm. and engage in activities that build no like, and trust very quickly, the better. So that's either going on a stage, going on a podcast, radio show, going on a summit, those kind of things, or going, you know, having a host of a Facebook group, like a large engaged Facebook group, someone that's lending you their no like, and trust, right? So you're either going on these stages that are sort of more, you know, organizational stages, or you're, you're borrowing someone else's audience by way of getting access to their email list for a week, because you're getting, you know, your freebies being promoted or your challenges being promoted or whatever, but that's always going to be the case. And so if that's the main thing we need to do is, is be an impeccable steward Mm. of our authority, right. And our personal brand and the brand of our company then we're taking care of a whole heck of a lot very quickly. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. You wrapped that up so beautifully. (laughs) Jennifer, how can people find you and stay connected with you? Well, you're going to see my pearly whites all over the the socials, except for TikTok. I think we're making our way over there, but you know, I'm a little resistant to that. Uh I'm just going to be honest. But I mean, for the podcast connector, we spend the majority of our time on Instagram and LinkedIn. But if people go to the podcastconnector.com, like I mentioned, that's where you're going to get the free ultimate pitching toolkit, which is really helpful. And like I was saying before, you know, you're either going to like, it's going to be high value for you, but like many, you'll probably realize, yeah, I don't really have the energy to do this or just because I can do this doesn't mean that that I should be the one doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the other problem we solve, right? Which is like, Hey, don't worry. We'll take care of that for you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Jennifer will look after you no matter what situation you're in. You'll find the links for all of those things over at influencedesignpodcast.com if you are listening to this on the run. Jennifer, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank really you. appreciate our conversation today. Me too. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.